You're a clapping bunch, aren't you? Good morning. It's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys. Uh, let's pray. Father, as we are gathered here this morning, our hearts yearn to be touched by you. Our lives are in need of you. And Lord, even as we have already sung, your love never fails. It never gives up on us, Lord. It remains. And Father, it is to you, the rock of our life, that we cling. It is to you that we look to for refuge, for strength, as well as for guidance, for inspiration. And we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would accomplish those things in our lives that are necessary. And Father, that we would leave here changed because of you. Lord, have your way with us, we pray, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the trip to Haiti, but I don't want this to be like the family vacation pictures. You invite someone over, hey, let me show you our vacation pictures. Yeah, this is me at the pool. Thank you, that's enough. Uh, but I do want to let you guys know what took place. Because of Genesis, we were able to give over $5,000 to Haiti. And I am just thankful for you, what we did with our Advent conspiracy through the Christmas season and before that. Uh, we were able to bless those in Haiti. And I want to show you a little bit about where that money went. There is so much more to the trip that I'm not going to show you for sake of time. I'm going to try and go through these things, and I'm going to also try and encourage us in the scriptures as what God has more for us in the future. But I did want to kind of go through the things. When we landed in Haiti, our group split up. Uh, Mary and Denise went with another group up to a place called Conj, and I might get some of these things wrong. You guys who went, feel free to correct me. And then Jillian, my daughter Lauren, and myself went with an organization called Child Hope International. You may have heard about it on Oprah Winfrey, um, but they were, uh, Oprah did go and visit the place. So that, that organization actually came and picked us up and took us to their facility as we went through the, the streets of Haiti. There's no way you can actually, I could tell you how to get there. You have to go by Lucy's Mini Market and some other things that are there. It's just, you know, again, a, a, a unique place. Because of the damage of the earthquake and a lot of things, there is still a lot of rubble that is taking place, but it is a lot better than it was last year. This gentleman, David, is the one who I kind of connected with uh, here in the States, been emailing him back and forth. He's the one who came and picked us up. And what Child Hope International does is they have a number of projects. First of all, they have a guest house that we stayed at that was a very nice guest house. They had some people from Haiti preparing three meals for us, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the food was excellent. It was great food. Uh, they had great accommodations for us. And so we stayed at one of the guest houses. They also just down the block have uh, orphanage. They have a boy's home and then they have a girl's home. They had, I think, like 20 boys and I forget how many girls that were staying in each of these homes. And they had people who were there, you know, caring for the kids in the orphanage, kids whose parents have died 
perhaps from the earthquake or other means, and so they're being cared for there. They try and get these kids also into a program where they can have them adopted if, if possible. I know one of the ladies is trying to get, she's, I forget how many children she's adopted, but it's a two-year process to get the children adopted. And so they're doing that work. They also have a school. Um, and then David has a transitioning program that it's not actually a part of Child Hope, but he has a place where he's trying to get them once they come out of the school or out of the boys' home to start to learn a trade. And so he's teaching them woodworking. They're making furniture for some of the local businesses that are getting established there. They're also doing uh, silk screening for shirts for people who, you know, come groups like, well, there's only three of us, so we couldn't do a whole lot. But groups, I'll take one. Um, but for larger groups that would come, they could customize a shirt for them. Again, it's supporting the, the kids that are there trying to get out and do the different things. This is at the boys' home. This is their living uh, quarters and their uh, accommodations. This is at the school. Now, you'll notice here there's a, a gate. There's like a wall right here, and there's a gate. All their facilities are surrounded by the walls and uh, razor wire, and there's a gate. And at the entrance of each of the facilities, there's a guard with a shotgun. And, you know, at first it's a little bit intimidating, but then when you go inside, you're glad he's on your side. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And, and that it is something that is necessary at this time because of this place is in Port-au-Prince. And there is, again, a lot of poverty just down the street from this place is a tent city where there's about 2,500 people still living in tents. And so there is just a need for protection. It's kind of interesting that behind these walls, there'll be some nice houses, but then just across the street, there'll be, you know, the tents that are there and people are living in the tents. And they're slowly trying to get people out of the tents and out of those living conditions. Again, this is from the earthquake that was two years ago. This is one of the murals in Haiti. Again, everyone wants, one wants Jesus to look like them. It's how we identify. We, it's true. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're European or if you're Haitian. You want to identify with Jesus, and that was there. And, and walking from place to place, you're always reminded of the earthquake of the rubble that is there. And so as you're walking, you'll have a pile of rocks. You'll also have a cow. Um, just walking it reminds you, I'm in Haiti. That's right. I don't usually see cows laying in the front yard, uh, but you do in Haiti. Another thing that the Child Hope organization does is three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they feed the children in the community. They feed over 100 kids. At 3 o'clock, they open the gates so that the kids can come in. They have badges for the kids that they come so they get to know the children. They have to get their badge if they want to get a ball, if they want to get a jump rope, if they want to get any of the things that they have for them to play with. They get to play for a while, and then they're going to feed them, give them a short Bible study, and then they let the kids go. I got to be one of the coaches. I had my game face on. <laughs> I'm not going to let these kids walk all over me, but they did. You know, uh, Serena, who's one of the people we've gone with, has said, in Haiti, we're like a big screen TV. There's no way to hide who you are. I'm a bigger screen than some of the others, but 
you stand out. But what was great is the kids were very wanting to play with us, and kids are kids. It was in this area and this time uh, that I was able to see some of the children, and they are malnourished. You could see it in their hair. You can see it in the frailty, how thin they are. Um, but they're kids. They like to pose for pictures. That's what that little girl's doing. She's striking a pose right there. She goes, take a picture, take a picture. And she did that little thing. It was very sweet. But it's a neat thing that is taking place there three times a week. And they're feeding the children uh, as well as, you know, trying to encourage them, just get to know them. This is the food line where we took a huge plate of rice. It had some beans in it and a little gummy bear vitamin that they give to the kids. And all the kids finished the food. I mean, even that small little girl that was there, she finished the food or gave it to someone who could. There was no food that was left. These are the kids as they're eating. They sat down, they get a cup of water, uh, they get a, a bowl of rice. And this happens three times a week to over 100 kids. And then the kids go out and they just play and they have a good time. One of these things is not like the other. Um, one of the girls who was there, her son Micah is there. And it's great because he's there just playing along with the kids. And once again, you see that the children, they just want to be kids. They just want to have fun. And they did. And then they line them all up and they escort them out. This all takes place in about an hour and 15 minutes. It's amazing. They got it down. I mean, they're organized. They get the kids. They come. They play. They eat. They t give them a little study, and then they're off. And this happens again three times a week. So after this, after this time, of, we spent um, Thursday, Friday there, uh, all of Thursday and all of Friday. This happened on Friday. And then Saturday morning, uh, we got up and, oh, actually, this is, when is this? It's Friday night. This is Friday night. This is at the home of the founders of Child Hope. Um, that's Suzette right there. Her back's towards us, and Bill is in there. And they have a room where they have a projector, and they're watching uh, uh, movies with about 10 Haitians that are in there. And it was a blast. They were watching the Fantastic Four, I think. And, man, you should when things would happen, these kids would just start screaming. Wah! You know, the guy flame on. Wah! He's on fire! You know, it was... It was the coolest thing, and they just have, they open their home. Uh, they have three children, two girls, a uh, younger boy, and then they've adopted two Haitians as well. And they open their home up to those who were serving at Child Hope, plus some of the others. We were having game night there. There was a number of people there. Um, this gentleman here, this is Chilip. He's local there. He works with them. Uh, this was Luke. He works with uh, Compassion International. He's married to, what was her name? Alicia. Um, she's pregnant. She's going to be leaving. That's Jillian. That's my daughter, Lauren. And there's other people there, David. And, and so we had game night, except for me. I had to train a dog. Uh, they had a dog and that needed help. And so put on the hat and I trained the dog. This was our accommodations at Child Hope. They're actually very nice. The beds covered in mosquito nets for our sake. Um, it wasn't bad. The temperature wasn't bad when we were there. It's probably in the high 70s, very humid. Uh, you definitely sweat, but it, it wasn't bad. And so there's my daughter, Lauren and Jillian. This is us getting ready. And we left back for the airport in Port-au-Prince traffic, which is, looks like this. You come across, this is called a tap-tap. It's like a taxi. People get in the back, and then you have to watch out for pigs and things like that. This is just life in Haiti. And so then we met up with uh, Denise. 
Actually, we went to the airport. We got another group from All Saints Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And from there, we went to a place called Conj where Denise and Mary were staying. Conj is a facility that's uh, put together by Partners in Health. They have a hospital there. They have a school there. They have a training center for the ladies to teach them how to work. Um, in fact, that's what Denise did. Denise was very crafty. She was there to get them to learn how to knit and to organize their facility. Those are all her bins right there that we brought over there so that they could store their threads and all those things. They have um, a place for women, uh, I think a woman's home, and it's a major facility, and it's all run by this lady named Jackie. She's 80 years old, and she is a spitfire. She will not let you carry a ladder. She will not let you do anything. She's in charge of the facility. Her husband passed away a number of years ago, and she stayed there and is living there in Haiti, and this, she, she'll come and visit her family out in North Carolina, but she always has made her home there in Haiti. Um, you know, she can't last forever, although you would never know it by following her because she pretty much is in charge of everything. And she was the one leading us around and kind of facilitated us while we were there. They have a hospital there, a neonatal care. Uh, Mary and my daughter Lauren were able to be there. One out of every nine mothers dies in childbirth in Haiti. Yeah, it's crazy. I had no idea it was that bad. And what happens is because of malnourishment, uh, their hearts are not strong from birth. They never develop fully. And as they deliver in childbirth, many of them uh, die. A lot of the kids that are born are born premature. Uh, a lot of them have tuberculosis, different things. And, and they, uh, I think they had three children who died or were going to die while they were there at that time. And so it's heartbreaking to see this. They're developing another hospital in Mirable, the Partners in Health. It's an incredible hospital. So there's great things that are being done there in Haiti. It was great for Denise and some of the other uh, ladies to be able to go there and help and be a part of those things that are taking place there. And then also, I mean, there's so much more to what we did, but we sponsored a school, uh, St. Andre School, and this is me just giving the check to Jeannot so you guys know that this is where the money went. They caught that moment there. We gave the check to them so that we could help sponsor the school. This is the headmaster of the school, St. Andres, and our team. We are building a latrine. That's the existing latrine. That's us by the latrine. What a picture. Uh, and so we're going to be, we have paid for them to get a new latrine. And what that's going to consist of, this is at another school that's at the top of a mountain, just to give you an idea of what's involved with a latrine. They have to dig a hole. This hole is about 25 feet deep. They line it with rock and cement so that the waste doesn't go into the ground water and those things. Um, it's just a big undertaking. Uh, this one was a lot because it was at the top of a mountain. Ours isn't quite as remote as the one that was here, but I want you to get an idea of just what it's involved with that. And ours is going to be there at the St. Andre's School. There at the school, we were able to give out uh, jump ropes that were provided by St. Mark's Episcopal Church here in Upland. We got to give the jump ropes out. I got to teach the children how to jump rope. I did. Number one, hold the rope firmly in your hands. 
And so as I taught the kids how to jump rope, I became very much their friend. And even though Lauren thought she was cool and had friends, I was cooler and had more friends. (laughs) But we did spend some time with them teaching the kids how to jump. Some knew how to jump rope really well, and they jump roped a lot together. Um, We also gave Jeannot and that school, I believe he took it to the school, a cajon. I believe, I can't have no proof, but I believe it's the first cajon in Haiti. I don't know. I'm making that up, but I'd like to believe that. They really liked it. Most of them have gym bays, and so we had the cajon, and he was pretty amazed. I was jamming on the cajon there with Jeannot, and then he got on and kind of had fun with it himself. Um, so that's a snapshot of Haiti. Uh, get it? Snapshot. This is actually a picture I took while they were taking pictures, not of me, of something that was going on behind me. But anyway, that's kind of a snapshot in Haiti. I want to um, just let us know as a community that we are going to continue our involvement in Haiti. Uh, We're probably going to have another trip going in the summertime. That's the plan. Um, I'm not sure what that trip is going to entail. I think we're going to try and get some nurses to go there. Is that what the idea is? To get some nurses to maybe, again, go to Conj and put on a a workshop. So if you're a nurse uh, or have any kind of medical training and would like to go to Haiti, um, keep that in mind. Need your passport. We'll get the plane fares and all those things. Summertime, it's going to be a lot hotter. uh, But... Again, we're going to go there. We can see the progress that they make on the latrine if they started that. We'll definitely see that next year when we go again. There's a possibility to take a college group also in the summertime to do some reforesting where they're planting trees. Um, Some of the mountainsides are just bare, which causes a lot of problems when it rains, and it has a raining season from like March to September or something. It's like a long season. I forget what it is. And it's hot, you know, as well. But then all the soot runs down and it causes a lot of trouble because there's no trees that soak up the water or block the rain that's coming down. And so we might be able to go uh, and partner along with that group that's planting the trees. There's also the potential to connect again with Child Hope. Went there to kind of explore and see what it was like. It's definitely a safe facility where I wouldn't have a problem taking a group there. Uh, for an extended period of time, maybe a week or 10 days, to work with them, work with the orphanage and some of the things that are taking place there. There's plenty to do. There's plenty of need. In fact, sometimes it feels a little bit overwhelming. How can you do anything when there is so much? It's like, how do you make a dent? There was one lady who was there, and again, with uh, partners in health that started a agricultural center, and her name was Gail, uh, what, what is it? Ghislaine, that was it, Ghislaine. Ghislaine, again, was from North Carolina, lived on the same street as Jackie did, um, something about the water in that place, I guess, but she had this dream 12 years ago to build an agricultural center that could teach the Haitians how to farm, how to do husbandry with their their animals, how to do framing and woodwork. And so now she's got a facility that's now a school that has, I think, 75 students that are going to be starting in March. They're going to teach them all these things, how to farm, how to do the uh, husbandry, raising animals, 
They actually have the facilities to start there, and the idea is to teach them so that they can go into different communities and take that knowledge to the communities that will slowly have a difference in Haiti. And what moved her was that story, I know many of you have heard it, I think John shared it one time, uh, about that boy who's at the uh, ocean, and there's all these starfish that have washed up onto the beach, and there's just thousands of them. And they're going to die because the tide has gone down and they can't make it back down. And so the boy's going up there and he's throwing them back in the water. And some man comes up to him and says, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm throwing, saving these starfish. And he goes, well, you can't save all of them. There's too many. And he just picks one and he goes, well, I saved that one. And that's kind of the mentality she has. In fact, there's one place that she has this little atrium. It's just gorgeous right there. And it's got a starfish in the middle on the cement. And she's going to make a little difference in what she can. And having that mentality to go and do what we can makes a difference in someone's life. You know, just as they're making a difference in some of those children's life and some of the schools, we want to be a part of that work and make a difference. And again, I am so grateful to you for combining to put the money together to be able to help make a difference. And I wanted you to see where some of the money went. It went some of it to the Child Hope Organization as well as to the St. Andre School to build a latrine. And that happened because of you. And so I'm grateful. And let's keep making a difference as we can in those ways. Okay. So I want to talk this morning about riches. And you're thinking, Haiti, riches. Don't worry, it's not about money. But when you hear the word riches... Usually your mind goes to money. It goes to prosperity, maybe homes, maybe you know things that you can buy, things that we can afford. But most of the time when the New Testament speaks about riches, it's speaking about our relationship with God because of Jesus. And it's kind of interesting to, to have a different perspective when you think of riches what if your mind actually went to the place of where my relationship is with God because of Jesus? What if we saw that as what really makes us rich? What would happen if we really saw that as wealth? You know, so many of the TV shows and things that we see are all about how you can make money, how you can achieve, and how you can gain. And the idea is, you know, if you're a survivor on the island, you'll get, I don't know how much money you get, million dollars, 10,000, I don't know. I, I haven't watched the end of that show. Um, but you get some prize. And so you, you deal with this, you stay on the island and you suffer and you battle all these people and all these obstacles so that you can be the survivor. Why? So you can get the riches. What would happen if our idea of riches was the New Testament idea. What would happen if our idea of riches was really about this relationship we have with God because of Jesus? And what if we pursued that the way so many times we pursue other things? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verse 15, but... Even before we get at verse 15, I want you to look at verse 7. 
In him, speaking of Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. There it is, the riches of God's grace. And in verse 15, Paul picks up and he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, there it is again, in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As I hear Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus here and how he gives thanks to them for their generosity to the people, I, I'm mindful of you and, and what we have just done in Haiti. And I'm mindful that we are so easily in need to be reminded of what true riches are, especially in our culture that is so affluent. You know, when you come back from a trip like this, you're aware of all the things that you enjoy, like hot water, like pillows that don't feel like beanie bags, beanie babies stuffed in a pillowcase, of not having to put on mosquito repellent. And it can't just be any mosquito repellent. It has to be DEET. And it has to be 100 proof. Because if you wear something that's DEET-free, you know, environmentally friendly, they just think you're a smoothie. And, and they just come after you. Now, you need poison on your skin to keep the mosquitoes off. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you shower, and even though it's a brisk shower, or maybe it was a little warm that day, you know, you feel, okay, I'm refreshed. Okay, time to put poison on. And you got to put the poison, you got the smell of DEET in the morning. And all those things that I'm reminded of, you know, we, we ate well. We, we had really no reason to complain, but we did eat the same thing over and over again. Every dinner consisted of chicken, goat, some rice, um, sometimes we had noodles. I mean, it was good food. But yeah, you miss pizza. Or at least I did. And as you're reminded of all these things, it's so easy to, to go to that place of, well, you know what I want? You know what I desire? You know what I really want? I want these things that are going to satisfy me. And we have to remember what Jesus said and what Paul Bull said. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where 
moths can eat and where thieves can steal and vermin can come in and get to it, but lay up treasures in heaven where those things can't happen. And Paul said that we are to put our hope in uncertain riches, but our hope is to be in the things of God. And, and what I need to remind myself and what I want to remind us of this morning is where are our riches? Where are the things that we treasure? What are the things that we treasure? What is our direction? Where are we headed? Where is our passion? The things that we desire. Because it really doesn't matter what we know. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards, but if your riches and your desires are still just on the things to satisfy you, they're uncertain. And what you desire is what you are going to go for. While I was in Haiti, one of the times that I was there, I got to go through one of the tent cities that was near the place where we were staying. And we went through with Chilip, the guy who was Haitian, wouldn't go there without him, and went there with him, and he was interpreting for us where we were able to talk to the people. And while we were there in this city, I mean, it was like, you know, you've got a family of six living in a 12 by 12 tarp. Everything. Everything they have is there. Their clothing, their beds, their food, all has to be stored in this tent. And it's right next to another tent. That's right next to another tent, right next to another tent. And so it's some extreme conditions that are there. And while we're there, we're talking to the people, and they're asking us to pray for them, and we're conversing with them, trying to encourage them, asking them how long they've been here. Again, it's been two years. I had three kids come up to me. Two of them asked me for money. Give me a dollar. I said, no, I'm not giving you. You don't do that. If you give them money, it's not a good thing. In fact, I didn't take any money with me. I go, give me a dollar. No, I'm not giving you a dollar. Another kid came up to me and goes, give me a bike. (laughs) Hold on, let me check, you know. And, And there's this kind of, hey, give me. You know, and you hear those things and it bothers you. You know, it's like, oh, gimme. You're, you're, you know, American or you're, you know, not from here, so they automatically assume you're wealthy and then compared to them, we are. And so they want from you. And so you see that and you see, gimme, I want this. I want you to give me something. And it kind of bothers you that they're getting this mentality. But then on one night when we were walking up to the founder's home for that game night, there's a Haitian girl under a street lamp because it's dark and there's no light and she's studying with her books under the street lamp. And you see that and you think, oh my gosh, she wants to move forward. She has a desire, a passion to move forward. When we were up at this one place Gasco that's at the top of this mountain. I probably said it wrong, but that's okay. You won't know. Um, at the top of this mountain, this lady made us, the team that was there, about 10 of us, dinner. And you know it was a lot for her. 
And she's probably late 20s. It's hard to tell. The ladies look a lot older than they really are just because it's a hard life. The average life expectancy in Haiti is 47. Yeah, I'd be gone. Because I'm 48. No. uh, (laughs) She made us dinner, and then we found out that she had saved enough money so that she could go to nursing school back in Port-au-Prince. And so she was going to be leaving her family so that she could go to school become a nurse, and have a better life. Desire to move forward. And you see, when you really want something, you save the money. When you really want something, you go out at night under the street lamp because that's the only light that you have. When you really have the desire, you move your life forward. And we do the same thing. My kids have done that. I remember when my kids were into Pokemon cards. Do you guys remember Pokemon cards? My Gosh, they spend hundreds of dollars on Pokemon cards. How did you get hundreds of dollars? Well, we work and spend money on trading Pokemon cards. It's amazing. They were little entrepreneurs back in the day. You want something, you will give yourself for it. I was talking to one of the priests that was there. He was a seminarian, actually. He wasn't a priest yet. Name was Samuel. I remember that name. And I was talking to him, and, and I was having a great conversation. He spoke pretty okay English, a lot better than my Creole, which is zero. Uh, and so I was talking to him, and I remember he was telling me these things, and he wanted to do this, and I just told him, I said, what do you desire, Samuel? What do you really want to accomplish? And he said, I want to teach the people of Haiti about God. And I said, then do that. God has put that desire in your heart. And I quoted to him Psalm 37, 4. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And once again, we see that what God wants is our passion. What do you delight in? And and as I've come back from Haiti, I've been challenged, what do I desire? What is the thing that I delight in? Is it to get more stuff? Is it to get a better promotion? There's nothing wrong with those things. But am I putting hope in those things? Is that where my compass is pointed at? I just need more stuff. I just need more money. I just need a better car, job, House, couch, shoes. And we are so enamored by these things. They capture us. They're surrounding us. And so when we do something like go to Haiti where they don't have, and we're able to help them out, it does something to us. It shows us that there are other riches, that there are other things that we can give ourselves to. You see, this is what we were designed for. I love the message translation, verse 23, I believe it was, in Ephesians, where it says, The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. That's us. We are to be Christ's 
body by which he fills everything with his presence. We are to take the presence of God because we are representing him. You see, we were created in his image. And understanding what that means is important because when you say created in the image of God, immediately, you know, we think of God and some of the things that we would like, like omnipotence. That'd be a cool thing. I'd like to have all power. Or omniscience. I'd like to know everything. Sometimes I think I do. Or omnipresence, to be everywhere at one time. Those are the things we'd like. You see, but that's, that's part of God's nature. We didn't get those things. We're not all-powerful. We're not all-knowing. We're not everywhere. Everyone tracking with me? Everyone agree on those things? Okay. And you know what? It's okay. I'm glad God is that I don't have to be. But what he did give us was his character. See, he's merciful. He's compassionate. He's kind. Those are the things that we are supposed to have. I know we want the omnipotence because that's more sexy. If I was omnipotent, I could have a Ferrari and I could be, yeah, Ferrari. <laughs> if I had all power, I'd have a Ferrari, you know. <laughs> I think you'd go for a Learjet, but no. But I don't have those things. But what I'm supposed to have is his character. And what we're supposed to do is represent him to the world around us. Show his mercy, show his kindness. And, and I tell you this, and Jesus says it best, of course. If you seek your life, you're going to lose it. If you are living just to please yourself, you're going to come up empty over and over again, no matter how much riches you gain. Because you're trusting in uncertain things, things that cannot guarantee what you need. But if your riches are the things that God has given to us in Christ, if your riches are the character of God in you representing him, being who he is to other people, if you focus on those things, if you take those things, you're going to find a wealth that can't be taken away. And all of a sudden, you're going to find a fulfillment in your life. And then you're going to be like a person, Jackie, who's 80 years old, living in a small little house. It's a nice little house, but it's a small little house in Haiti. Why? Because it's her passion. It's what she wants to do. It's what she cares about. And even though it's frustrating, and even though there are those situations where, man, they, they just don't get it, or, man, it doesn't seem like I'm making a difference, there's one that matters. There's one starfish that God saved. Your passion is going to be not just for yourself, but for others. And when your passion is for others, you're going to find that you're fulfilling what you've been created to be. That the character of God is going to start rising up in you. And that's what we desire. And so there's opportunity for us in our community here to give of ourselves and what we have of our time, of what resources you can. You know, we don't even collect an offering. This is not about pressuring us to give or to do. This is about taking our heart and saying, change it. 
Give me a heart that shows your character. Give me a heart that cares like you care. Give me a heart that's passionate for the things that you're passionate for. Give me a life that is going to make a difference in the lives of others. Give me a mind that is not just about me. Give me a life that really cares about others, not just myself. Because if you have my heart, you have everything. This is about God changing who we are and making ourselves available for what he wants. As you know, we've, we've partnered with Healthy Start, the school uh, organization that helps the kids who are in need. There's an opportunity to help a young girl who's trying to get some... We're trying to connect with some kids in some sports scholarships that can help them get connected to some sports things, kids that wouldn't be able to afford those things. Well, they came to us and said, there's a young girl who needs some help. Can you help? And so we said, okay, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And if you're interested in helping, you know, we're going to start something, I think we're thinking about it anyway, called Change for a Dollar, where if you just put a dollar in the jar, that money can go towards those kinds of things, the kids at Healthy Start or maybe the Foothill Family Shelter. I know they posted on Facebook. They thanked us for some of you guys went down there or something the other day. I saw on Facebook that they thanked us for going down there. In March 23rd, is it, we're going to be going, the young adults are going to go on another advance down to Mexico to build and help out with the church that are there. In the summer, we're going to go back to Haiti. We're going to go again there another year. We're going to, be, we're going to try and be involved in others and not just do things for ourselves and this is the invitation to be a part. And if you can't go, I understand. But you guys did go. You sent over $5,000 to Haiti. We're not a small, we're not a big group, but you sent $5,000 to Haiti. You did go. Every one of you who put money in that jar, you did go. And you did make a difference. And I'm thankful for that. And that's what our hearts want to be. You see, we want to... Fill everything with his presence. That's us. How is his presence filled? With us. We are his body. We are his church. We can make the difference if we recognize where we're rich. We're rich in our relationship with him, allowing him to be God and allowing us to have his character so that we can represent him effectively. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I know I'm a little emotional maybe because I'm tired, but I'm so grateful for this community and for the work we are doing and for the work that is yet to be done. But the most important work, Lord, is what needs to be done in our heart, and it can be as simple as changing our perspective. Lord, we need to work, we need to provide for our families, but we also need to recognize where we are rich, where there is wealth that we can give no matter how much money we have, where there is something that we can do and contribute no matter what those circumstances are, financial. 
Father, we can give of our hearts to people. We can care. We can be compassionate. We can be merciful. We can desire that they too would know about you better. Even as Paul's prayer, Lord, it's our prayer. That we would know you better. And that we would represent you. We would fill our community with your presence. Because we have been created in your image for your purpose. And God, we ask that you would change the way we think. Lord, that we would look at what we really desire. And if it's the wrong things, or if it's just out of skew, that we would allow you to give us wisdom to know what to change, how to move forward in a healthy direction. Lord, just the simple change of how we think can change our lives. And what could we do for you if we recognized where our wealth was? What would we pursue? How would our lives be different if we realized that we are rich in you? How could we give of ourselves with the things that we are wealthy in? Lord, we can do more together than we can do alone. And so I pray that you would knit our hearts together in unity, that you would give us wisdom and direction for how we move forward in Haiti and Mexico, in our community with Healthy Start, with a Foothill Family Shelter. Lord, in all these things, Lord, as we give of ourselves, may we not just give time, but may we represent you in each of these places. As we just read, we are your presence there. Lord, that's where our wealth is. And we thank you for giving us this wealth. Lord, forgive us for not recognizing it, not making the most of it. Lord, bless your people here and use us for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.